0: Hey friends, welcome to the Courage Cast. My name is Andrea Crisp, and are you ever in for a treat today? My guest has been a friend of mine since we were in Evangel College, now Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri. And I can honestly say that she is the real deal and has been since the moment I met her. Now I can still remember our days together touring in a band called Frontline across Canada and the US and the infamous time that she got stuck at the Canadian border and all of us had to pool our money together and bail her out. We've lived together, we've played music together, we've dreamt together, and we've laughed a lot together. She is definitely living the American dream. She's a successful independent sales consultant and has been working the beauty industry for the past 15 years. She and her husband, Robbie, and two kids, Will and London Elizabeth, live in Springfield, Missouri. Now, originally from Great Britain, she recently became an American citizen, but still enjoys all things British. Now, she's got quite the story, and I'm really excited for you to meet my friend, Hannah Marks. You're listening to The Courage Cast, a show to equip and empower women to live bravely. Each
1: week we'll share coaching conversations and stories of women who are willing to face their fear and pursue their purpose.
0: Here's your host, life coach, author, and your secret weapon. Hannah, I am seriously, I think I say this almost every time, but really and truly I'm excited to have you on the podcast. And we've been friends for many, many, many years, just reconnected actually this past spring. And I want people to know you, to hear your story, and to fall in love with you just as much as I am. So thanks for being here today. Thanks for asking me. It's like an honor. It really is. Now, people are probably going to wonder where your accent is from. That's (laughs) So we're going to have to address that right out of the gate. Where are you from, Hannah? Well, my accent's kind of jacked
1: up now, but, you know, it's not like it used to be. But I'm from England originally, just outside of Birmingham, right in the middle of the country. And uh, gosh, I've been in the States for 24 years now. And uh, so like I'm like Middle America slash British. That's what my accent is now.
0: (laughs) Which that yeah, it is kind of like one of those muddled, you know, when I was living Uh, in Springfield you know which is where you live um it was the same thing I had like this weird Canadian American accent and then when I moved back to Canada people were like what I know is your accent and I'm like I'm sorry it's weird but I've (laughs) lost it so I'm back to being Canadian
1: yes you are I will agree with that and you know
0: what when I go home for a little bit
1: I come back and everyone's like oh you've totally been home you know, so
0: I remember when I first met you and I'm sure you're going to tell a little bit of your story. But you were like my first British friend and you had all the British stuff and you were like basically uh card carrying, you know, member of the monarchy. <laughs> and today, um, I think this year, actually, you became an American citizen.
1: I sure did. I finally got it done. And honestly, it was
0: you know, once you have children and they're
1: American, it kind of changes your perspective on things. And, um, and you know, the world is changing. And so I never wanted anything to disrupt, you know, me being in the country. And you just never know what could happen. So that's why I did it. And, and then another thing too, I was so tired of dealing with green cards. I just wanted to get it done and be a citizen. So I did it in April. Makes a lot of sense. It was exciting actually. And when I took my, um, when I took my oath, there was like a hundred and something of us taking an oath and, you know, my husband's whole family was there. And as I'm standing there, like I just had tears streaming down my face and I was like, Oh Hannah, just pull it together, pull it together. And I, But the thing was I couldn't stop thinking about, you know, how my life has changed since I've been in the States. And, you know, when I first came to America and, and now where I'm at, it was just like, it was such an overwhelming moment. I was so, with such gratitude. I was so grateful for how my life looks mm-hmm. and for everything that I've pushed through to be able to stand there for that moment. Cause it really is a privilege. It's a privilege to be a dual citizen. You know, I'm a citizen of both countries now and, um, and that's such a privilege, but yeah, it was, it was a moment. It really was.
0: That That's amazing. You know, it's funny that you say that because um, and I'm going to introduce you in a second, but we're just going to keep talking because we're on a roll now. But um, when I was in the States, which was for 14 years, so 10 less than you've been there. I loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved the culture. I loved um, the community I lived in. I loved the places I lived in, and it was so funny because when I came back to Canada in twenty or in two thousand and seven, I just started to realize how much I really was Canadian,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: yeah. and I had uh, adopted a lot of the philosophies and beliefs and culture of America, but. Mm-hmm. Deep down, I was very Canadian. And, you know, honestly, we don't have to talk about politics, but, you know, we're in a place in time right now where there's a lot going on. And, um, you know, being a Canadian and looking across the border and seeing all of my American friends and how polarizing things are right now. It's really interesting for you to say, you know, that you had tears of joy. Mm
1: hmm. Yeah.
0: And and it's funny. I don't know, maybe you you can clarify it, like but I would assume that that's more because of the community you've built in your life and the people or or is it the country?
1: Well, you know, I mean, I think back to when I first came over here and I'll never ever forget it. So I came over for school um to do my undergrad and um I came over with three suitcases and everything I owned in those three suitcases. My parents didn't come over with me. They left me at the airport. Like I left them at the airport in England and um, said goodbye to everybody. And I had everything I owned in three suitcases. And I'll never forget moving day and watching everybody. And I'd come in a day early. And so i had already unpacked all my stuff from my three suitcases, you know? And basically what was in there was my bedding, um, clothes, shoes, toiletries snacks and um and coat hangers snacks snacks of course (laughs) my mother put snacks in and coat hangers and i always laugh about that because it wasn't the fact that i didn't think america sold coat hangers it was the fact that i had no money to go buy coat hangers once i got here so like i had everything i owned was on my back and in my suitcases and so You know, when I watch everybody moving in, they're bringing in their microwaves and their TVs and little toaster ovens when they were allowed to have toaster ovens, remember? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, and all of that stuff. And I'm like sitting there in awe because I'm sitting on my bed, on my bedding with everything I owned. And so, you know, people talk about the American dream. And I stood there taking my oath, looking at everything that I have and... Honestly, I'll be honest with you. The life that I live here in America is not the life that I would have lived in England. And, um, you know, the my business and the way it's flourished and, um, you know, how I lived my life and my finances and all those kind of things. I wouldn't have had this kind of life in England. And that's what I stood there thinking that it, the American dream really is true that when you work hard you can have the and then some in the states and um you know i i look at my friends and my family and what they have and every time i go home they all ask lots of questions and they're amazed by my life and that's what i was crying about of joy because i was just so grateful that god gave me the opportunity to be able to have this kind of life um you know, considering where I came from. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, I love that. Okay, so let's back up a little bit because I want to, you know, tell people who you are and I want you to tell people about your story. But Hannah and I met in college and uh, we were friends for several years. We even toured in a group together, a singing group together. Hannah played keys, I sang, and we became very close friends and i was from canada she was from britain so we've got lots of stories that you know of those back in those days (laughs) but we've known each other a really really long time yeah um and now fast forward you know 20 years yeah tell us a little bit about your life and what you're doing these days well I am
1: oh my goodness where even to begin so I'm still in the same town <laughs> <laughs> I moved out of the same town this town kind of like sucks you in once you get here except you did get out Andrea. I did but it's kind of a joke it like sucks you in but I love it here I really do and um, I met an amazing man um uh, my last year of my master's degree actually he he wouldn't leave me alone and so I finally went out with him and I didn't think he was cute and then I went out with him and all of a sudden he became cute, you know, happens. <laughs> and actually next week we've been married 16 years, which is oh, pretty, wow. cool. and he's an amazing man and I'm very, very blessed. And so, um, I, uh, you know, I have a, an incredible business. I'm a sales director with a cos- cosmetic company. I've been doing that for 15 years. I originally went to school to do piano and voice. And then my master's degree was in piano. And then I went back and taught at, at Alma Mater for a few years, but got into this cosmetic company and really just fell in love. I fell in love with the flexibility of it more than anything. You know, I'm a I'm a um freedom and flexibility girl. So I love the fact that I get to choose my life, how my life runs. And so um I've been in this business for 15 years now and um, you know, we're we're one of the top units in the country, which is very, very exciting. And um I feel very honored to lead the group of women that I lead and I have two beautiful children. Um, I have a, um, nine year old boy, his name is Will and a four year old girl, London, London, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And they really are my joy. Um, I was told I'd never have babies. And so when we finally got pregnant with the first one, it was a complete shock. And then even more of a shock, five years later when we had another one and, um, but and you know what? I'm an older mom, so I'm tired. <laughs> but it's really, really good. It's really good. It's um, that's that's what I do. That's my life. So you know, I run my business. I look after children, run them around. I'm a wife, and um, and that's what I do. And uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. To be honest with you,
0: I remember being in the hospital when you had a procedure and it was, I don't know if it was in college or after college and the doctor had told you that you would have a hard time having kids. I remember that. And I remember us standing there talking and we prayed Mm -hmm. and just having, you had this sense um, even then Yeah, that you would have kids. And it's so interesting to me, Hannah, because I feel like in so many ways in in not only with kids and health, which you're probably going to talk about, but you've defied the odds. Mm. You've defied anything that was said to you or over you that was negative. Mm. And that to me has always stood out your faith, first of all, to believe and also to hold on to the promise yeah, of what you knew or had a sense of knowing was going to happen.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I grew up with parents, you know, my daddy was a pastor and my grandfather was a pastor and everybody in my family were pastors. I mean, there really wasn't any other job to do in our family, you know? And so that's how I grew up. And, um, but my mama, my mama really, I feel, defined my life in many ways um, because her faith is so incredible to watch, and she just has this deep sense that you know, when God plans it, He brings it about, and so I always grew up knowing that. That why would I question it? And so, which is a, it's a beautiful gift to have been given. And so, um, but I am kind of one of those people that you tell me, I can't, I'm going to go prove to you that I can. Um, and, um, because I just feel like there are so many people that give up too quickly. There are so many people that, um, they don't push through the hard parts. They don't push through the, the sadness and they don't push through, um, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, um. Not being able to do it you Mm -hmm. know they give up too quickly i have a saying and i i see it with my business too because i I work with women all day every day and I, i see this a lot you know that too many people give up before they get their second wind and you know when you're a runner and you run and and you feel like you're hitting the wall and then you keep going and you get your second wind and you can keep going now i'm not a runner so I don't experience that, but I understand it's quite a thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I laugh because I am one, uh, but not a great one. So (laughs) I have experienced it
1: once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, and there are so many people in life that they give up and they just stop because they can't take the hard times of that. And, you know, there were many, many times that I would just have to pull it together when another friend would have a a baby announcement and another friend would have a baby shower. And I was never one of those women that wouldn't go to a shower or wouldn't celebrate that woman because it wasn't about me. It was about her and her celebration. Um, But I do remember one day, um, one of my friends, um, well, it was my best friend, she had told me um, she, it was our birth, my birthday, and she had given me a card and said, you know, I'm so excited about what's ahead for us. And I looked at her and went, you're pregnant. And she's like, how on earth did you figure that out? And I went, because you said what's ahead for us. And I just knew it, you know. And um, she's like, I didn't want to tell you on your birthday. I said, are you kidding me? I'm like, this is the most exciting thing for you. I am so thrilled I couldn't be more excited for you. She goes, but I want you to have a baby. And I'm like, I will. I will when it's the right time. And I'm like, but for right now, we're gonna celebrate you. And you know, I, I can't tell you that I didn't get in my car and cry all the way home, you know? Mm-hmm. But in that moment, it's learning to celebrate other people's victories too. Mm-hmm. And I really truly believe that when you have a heart of gratitude and when you, you learn to celebrate others, God truly does give you immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine
0: because
1: mm-hmm. um, you take yourself out of the situation and you focus on others and, and what happens is when you do receive your blessing and you do receive um, the, the promise that you feel is for your life, it is even more exciting because you haven't held grudges or you haven't had regrets. You know, it's just very exciting when you step into that.
0: And I wish that more women understood that. Yeah. I really do because I know for myself, like I talk about that a lot. I, I share that with my mastermind all the time. I say when, when one wins, we all win. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've, I've kind of adopted that philosophy myself. Now, now it's not to say that I've not struggled with wishing and, you know, even like feeling like, man, I wish that would happen for me yeah. as well and I've I've actually you talk about baby showers but there's been weddings I haven't gone to yeah because times in my life where I'm like I can't deal I can't actually go yeah but it's it's interesting when you when you take that time to to text someone or to call them and like congratulate them on you know, something that that's happened in their life, like a victory that they've had that you know that they want, whether it's getting married or having kids or a promotion at work, or mm-hmm. just even something that like they've, you know, that they are, have desired, how much more that puts you in a position right, to also receive your promise.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that's what um, people forget that just because it's happening to someone else doesn't mean it's not going to happen to you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just a timing thing. It's a, it's a different thing. And I, I, I see often so many people, they push things, they mm-hmm. try to make things happen and they don't wait. And then what happens is they end up getting more disappointed because that's not working. Right. And, and, but instead of just trusting the process.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Um, you have had a lot of things going on in your life over the past nine years <laughs> um, or so. But um, I remember like scrolling through Facebook one day and seeing a post that you posted when your daughter was born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that was probably the first time I reconnected with you in a long time. And it was not even, it was, I'd say a full reconnection, but... You were back on my radar. I was following your journey. Tell us a little bit about what happened when London was born.
1: So um, London came very quickly. She, um, she was full term, came at um, 39 weeks. I have very small babies because I throw up through every single pregnancy. So all nine months long, like even given birth, I'm throwing up. Oh my gosh. And yeah, it's, it's the worst thing ever. You know, people go, I love pregnancy so much. And I'm like, you must be smoking crack because <laughs> yeah, it's awful. I mean, I just, it's terrible. So anyway, I have low birth weight babies just because, and, but they're very strong, you know, so she was only 5'10 when she was born. She came very, very quickly. And I remember in the hospital, like noticing things about her that didn't seem quite right. But, you know, it's all kind of a blur and it's like a cattle market. They get you in and they get you out. And um, But over the next few days while she was home, I just kept noticing things about her and and that just didn't seem right. And, for example, she wouldn't sleep on her back and that's not normal. And so I would like, um, you know, strap her into a little bouncy seat at nighttime and put it by my bed. And I'm like, this is not right you know, um, my baby should be sleeping in the bed. and um, But she would like squeal, like she was in pain. And um, so then the, day 10, I was nursing her and um, I picked her, I lifted her up to burp her and she just started spewing everywhere. And with that passed out, I'm like, oh, What's that about? You know, and and so she came back around. I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, that's the craziest thing ever. Well, she did the exact same thing the next night, and um, yeah, you would have thought I would have called the doctor right at that moment in time, but you know, when like ten days in, your brain is all kind of crazy, mm-hmm. and um, you're just trying to survive at that time with a newborn. And uh, my mom was in town by the next day, and she watched it happen and the same exact feed and time and and um she uh she passed out for a little longer and really went like an ashy color and my mom went hannah that's not normal i said i know she did that last night you know blah blah, blah 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 so i took her into the doctor the next day and it was her two-week checkup anyway so you know it was like we had to go and see the doctor and i just handed her over and i went there's something really wrong with london my doctor's like, what are you talking about? And I said, you know, she does this, 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 and this, and she throws up and passes out, breathes funny, you know. she's like, what? You know, it was just like, are you burping all right? I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, I'm burping all right. You know, all these things. Mm-hmm. Well, in the doctor's office, she had a pulse ox of 75, which is horrific. Um, anything below 88, um, ox- blood oxygen below 88 is very dangerous. So seventy five. And she had done three ma- three machines, and I pretty much um, looked at the doctor and I said, okay, there's no way that three machines can be broken and all be pulling up the same number. And my doctor's like, Hannah, she should be blue. And I went, well, she doesn't look pink, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And she just had that ashy color. So anyway, um, we went to a cardiologist's office, and the next thing we know, um, he comes in and he says, um, he was just very calm, and he says, london's gonna need surgery and my husband's like well do you mean like next year next month i mean when are we talking you know because he was just so calm and note to self the calmer a doctor is the more serious it is and um he goes well i've actually called the um the plane from st louis she's coming they're coming together now and it was just like a, a real moment of oh my goodness, because what we didn't realize, London was actually dying. And um, so they airlifted her out to St. Louis Children's Hospital and my husband and I, we followed behind. um, And by the time we got there, they'd already done an assessment of her and the head surgeon had taken over. And he says, number one, we don't know how she's still living. She should have been dead already. Number two, um, she um, would have been dead by tonight if you hadn't have brought her in when you did and her heart is pretty much done. And number three, she has a really rare heart and we've never seen a heart like this before. You know, just what every mother wants to hear. And you know, so we had to go under five days of um, research they pulled a team together and did research and they found there was three others in the world like London she was number four and basically she was born with an extra aorta Um, most of us have one aorta and she had two the first one that began to grow stopped growing so the heart produced a different one from the side of the heart and then that aorta had a little pinch in it so there was no blood flow to the lower extremities of her body and so she um wasn't getting any blood to her her bottom half so um her feet were blue her little bottom was turning blue i mean she was just it was terrible so anyway she had to go under um a heart surgery where they um had never done anything like that before they really didn't know how it was going to turn out they um literally went in one way hoping they would be able to get it being prepared to go in another way if they needed to but it was a really big deal in the hospital because it was such a um, surgery that was it was, you know, they'd never done it before. So it's definitely in the medical books and she's doing amazing now. We um, have to uh, go all the time to go get her heart looked at. Um, You know, next year we'll be able to go down to once a year. So we're so excited about that. But they have no roadmap for her, so they don't know exactly what's going to happen next. And um, so they just keep an eye on her and, and see how it goes. But it was certainly the craziest time in my life because you're so out of control. You have zero control. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll never forget sending her off to surgery. That was my husband and I just stood in the hallway and both of us just broke down because we didn't know if we'd ever see her again. And, um, you know, it was just, it was a really crazy time in our lives because everything, we lived on edge for the next year especially Mm -hmm. the next six months after her surgery um we were back and forth her blood pressures were all over the place we didn't know if we were going back for surgery again it was just a crazy crazy time and i look back at that time now and i'm just so i i just think to myself wow how did we survive that but we did and we came through it victoriously you know we came through it um better than what we are better than what we were when we went into it
0: london is definitely a trooper she has been through a lot that girl and she She is like when i saw her like you would never know like she is strong and healthy and vibrant and it's it's pretty amazing do you ever get overly disappointed when a friend of yours gets something that you desperately wanted like a job promotion or they've gotten out of debt or maybe they're in a relationship and although you'd love to celebrate their success, you feel like it will diminish your own? Well, if you've been following me for any length of time, you know that I believe it all begins with our thoughts. So I'm going to be doing a brand new five day challenge starting this November and I would love for you to join me. Now, before you tune me out, I really want you to listen in because we're gonna be talking about developing An abundant mindset. Now it's no secret that what you focus on grows. So that means if you set your mind on something, it has the potential to shift your life, either good or bad. Now scarcity focuses on what we don't have, and it puts us in a position to compare our lives to those around us, whether it be our family or our friends, and it keeps us playing small. Whereas when we have an abundance mindset, we can see possibility all around us, and we're able to be more creative and generous with our time and our energy. And it even increases the capacity for collaboration and productivity. So you may be asking, well Andrea, how do I even know if I have a scarcity mentality? Well, if you feel the need to control everything because you feel like you don't have enough, that's entirely possible you're living with lack. A scarcity mindset will keep you feeling like a victim impatient, anxious, and powerless to make a change. And it will even deplete your emotional, physical, and mental energy. Whereas when you have a mindset of abundance, you will be more empowered to to make changes. You'll be able to energize and inspire others. And you'll know that there's more than enough for you and those around you. So beginning Monday, November 19th, join me as I walk you step-by-step step to create an abundant mentality. Sign up by going to andreacrisp.ca forward slash challenge. So there's been a lot that's gone on for you. And I want to, in just in the past few months, in fact, you have kind of been through another trial mm-hmm. in your life. And... Um, you know, it's crazy to me. I've never, Hannah, all I ever do is maybe even get a cold or a flu. Like, I've never broken anything. I've never been to the hospital. Like, never. Nothing has happened to me. So when I hear stories like this, I'm just, like, blown away. So tell us um, tell us what has happened to you in the past couple of months.
1: Well, you know, it's funny that you'd say that because I said to somebody the other day, I
0: wish I could just get
1: a cold. <laughs> <laughs> Like I don't get sick. I don't get the cold. Like I just, I'm like I've never sick like that. It's so funny, and I, I really kind of pride myself on being healthy, you know. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's funny. But um, May 18th, I was working out, and I'm. A, I love to work out. I'm all about being healthy and physically fit and eating the right foods and all of that stuff. But anyway, um, I was working out. I finished my workout and I turned to my friend to talk about how awful that workout was and I couldn't speak. And he kind of looked at me like with doing the headlights look. And he's a sergeant in the police force. And I just kind of grabbed my mouth and I was like, what on earth has happened? And I walked over to go speak to somebody else and I couldn't speak. And so I walked into the bathroom and looked at my face and I had totally had a stroke. My face was completely drooped on the right side. And then I felt my arm go too. And I was like, huh. And I literally walk out of the bathroom and I looked at my friend and I got out of my mouth. I think I'm having a stroke. Well, by that time, my friend Charlie, um, he was already on the phone with, um, 911 cuz he had seen it and you know he just immediately went into action like he does and um and so i honestly i wasn't i I said stroke but i'm like oh great i've got bells palsy and you know and i have a friend that actually has bells palsy and and um i was like we're going to be twins now you know that's just what my mind was doing i'm mm-hmm. like oh bells palsy this is going to stay around forever and um because there's no way that I could have a stroke, right? Because like I'm, I'm healthy and I have no risk factors for that. So they get me to the hospital and the fact that my arm had gone, they gave, did a CT and saw a clot on my brain and they're like, yeah, you're having a stroke, which was so shocking. So after you have a stroke and they give you a medicine called um, TPA, um, and it's a it's a highly clot busting medicine. It's actually a, quite a dangerous medicine, but it's amazing for people who are having strokes because it completely thins out your blood. Well, you have to go into the ICU, um, trauma ICU after that. And so here I am a couple of days in the trauma ICU and they're like, how on earth is this happening? Because I'm 41 years old. I have incredible blood pressure. um, My heart rate is amazing. It was actually kind of funny because they were like, we've never seen a heart rate like this in the ICU. Like it was so low. And um, at one point they woke me up in the middle of the night because my heart rate was down to 39. And they're like, are you alive? And I'm like, yes, I'm just cardiovascular fit. You know, I mean, it's hilarious. And, um, And so, you know, I have great... Vitals, my blood pressure is amazing and so they're like okay maybe you have a blood clotting disorder so they do all the um tests for that no blood clotting disorder so like what they do is they eliminate things and um because my cholesterol was great Uh, a lot of times people have strokes because of high cholesterol and um and so, you know, it's amazing how much you learn when you go through something like this and no blood clot disorder, no cholesterol, no diabetes, no obesity, you know, all these things. Um, and so they looked at my heart and they did a cardio and they discovered I had what they call a shunt, um, a shunting of blood around my heart. And I had a hole in my heart and they said, that's it. That's where the clot came from. And, um, so the cardiologist, that next week, I was in the cardiologist's office. He says, you have a significant shunting around your heart, which is um, a blood flow. which shoots around your heart in a manner that's not supposed to happen. And he says, so probably what happened was um, your heart um, kind of filters out clots and it one of the clots popped through the hole because it's not filtering correctly and went to your brain. I said, okay, he says, you have to get this fixed because you will have another stroke if you do not get it fixed. I said, all right, well, let's get it fixed. Never expected to have heart surgery, but here we go. So May 18th was my first stroke and I did get everything back. I mean, I was very fortunate. Um, I mean, stiffness in my hand, you know, but I did get everything back. And, um, and then June 22nd went in to have my heart fixed and, um, they were in there for quite a while because my, the hole in my heart is an abnormal shape. You know, I can't just have a normal shape hole in the heart. <laughs> have to have an abnormal shape. And so they could not make the device fit in the hole. And they tried and tried and tried. And he stood back and really just watched and looked at my blood flow and looked at this shunting that was going on. And he realized that actually the hole had nothing to do with it it wasn't even um that wasn't my problem that's that was not where the crazy blood flow was coming it was coming from my lungs and he says i think your issue was in your lungs and um and so you know here i come very disappointed coming out of surgery and and because they told me i'd feel so much better once it got fixed and i was like okay I've been tired for a long time, but you know this is going to be exciting. So I was so disappointed, but then went and got um, my lungs looked at, and they found that I had a massive pulmonary AVM. It's a arteriovenous malformation. Basically, what that is is the pulmonary vein and the pulmonary pulmonary artery are squashed together, and so what the lungs do is um, that one of them takes old blood, um, through the lungs and filters through the capillaries and, um, takes it back through, I think it's the pulmonary artery back to the heart with oxygenated blood. Well, my body wasn't doing that. I did not have fully oxygenated blood. It's called dirty blood. And, um, and so my pulse ox was always at a 94, 95, nothing ever higher than that. But, um, it was, um, you know, not dangerous, but it's not great. And so nobody ever noticed that, to be honest with you. So um, I actually went and found, um, I actually talked to my daughter's surgeon, heart surgeon said, hey, who would you have fixed this? I kind of wanted to get a second opinion on my heart too. And um, the guy, he, uh, he hadn't done a huge amount of pulmonary AVMs because they're kind of rare. So I found a guy at St. Louis Children's Hospital was going to fix me. And we were waiting on one more test to be done. And August twenty-third I had my second stroke. So here I am working out again. And this is not about working out, people, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like everybody's like, I knew it. I knew there's a reason why I shouldn't work out. That is exactly <laughs> why. No, it's got nothing to do with that. It's about, you know, when you're working out, your blood is moving faster. So um I was actually at church the night before and my face had gone numb. And um And so I said to my husband, hey, my face went really numb tonight. I said, if I have another stroke, you've got to call 911. He's like, oh, I will. Don't worry. And then I was fine. And then the next day I um, was in the middle of my workout and I felt my face go. And, um, and this time I just looked at a friend who's an anesthesiologist and he ran for his phone because it's so obvious, you know, when your face just goes like that. And, mm-hmm. um, and so this was a bigger stroke. The second time it were, it took my leg as well as my arm. And so my whole right side was gone this time. And so here I am back in the ER again, getting TPA again, do they do another thing? They see another clot and, um, the whole rigmarole all over again. And um, my husband had called the surgeon and said in St. Louis, hey, she's had another stroke. And he's like, listen do not take her out of the hospital, get it done down there. And so the guy who hadn't done a huge amount of them, he actually did my surgery and he was amazing. And so I was on a blood thinners for five days because they were very worried I was going to let out another clot. And basically what happens is this AVM. it's how I explain it to people. It's like a drain that is full of sludge. And if you can imagine um, heavy amounts of water going through that drain and then all of a sudden all the sludge comes flying out. And then, um, you know, and then it builds back up again and then all the sludge comes flying out again. And so that's what the AVM was. It was like a um, all these veins in my lungs that were just getting stuck with clots. And then, you know, I would have heavy amounts of blood go through and one would pop out. And as you get older, I was born with this. It's congenital. I was born with it. And um, by the fourth or fifth decade of your life, they get weak. And so it was letting out more clots. And and so anyway, I got it fixed. And, um, but what I really dealt with more than anything after all of that was just this horrific sense of fear that what if this didn't fix it? What if I was going to have another stroke? And honestly, just to be very vulnerable with you, that is something that I've really had to deal with over the past couple months. Like since it's been, well, not clapping, past six weeks, should I say, since it's been fixed is, um, what if i have another one you know um because it's a very horrible experience it really is i mm-hmm. wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy and um and so But I I will be honest with you, since my lung has been fixed, my oxygen levels immediately went from 94 to 98. And I have had this new sense of energy. And it's been quite exciting because I don't want to fall asleep in carpool line anymore. And uh, and so I would literally fall asleep in carpool.
0: And (laughs) so You would fall asleep everywhere we went when we were touring, Hannah. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember, but you would literally... I was talking one day having a conversation with you and you (laughs) fell asleep on me and then you woke up oh oh I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) I actually remember when you know we were in our traveling group and we would
1: stay we'd have to go stay people's homes Mm and that was the worst part because we'd have to sit up and talk to them and I'd be fast asleep in the couch
0: (laughs) (laughs) you would I I always like oh I hope I'm not with Hannah tonight because I'm gonna have to talk to the people by myself <laughs> always always he would always be like hey quit leaving me stranded over here like, no I, I gotta talk to them <laughs> so yeah i don't do that anymore it's that's quite, amazing quite interesting <laughs> now okay so let's go back to this fear thing yeah. because i think that's You know, by the sounds of like everything that you you've said, you know, talking about London and, you know, you're trying to have kids and then this happens and then it's like it's like, oh, everything looks on the outside. Like, even though there's things going on, you're great. You're doing you're just moving through it all. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and I think we have this perception of people, even that when they go through crisis, like they're holding it together. Everything's okay um i don't have to worry about them or do anything but what's really happening like what's going on underneath under the surface can you like share that with us
1: you know um so something that started happening after um i had babies is um i had developed anxiety attacks i'd never had anything like that before and um and so it happened after my first child was born within three days i woke up in the middle of the night screaming having an anxiety attack thought i was going crazy because i'd never experienced anything like that before so didn't know what it was and um and then um dealt with it again after i had london um you know it's all to do with hormones and dropping dopamine and all of that kind of stuff in your brain and just caused a physical reaction in my body where i'd have these horrific anxiety attacks and it's like fire go and I, it's like unless anybody's ever had an anxiety attack they don't really understand how awful they are mm-hmm. and, but anybody who's had one they're like I get you I totally know where you're coming from and, and so after um, it's like fire going through your veins and you, your heart races and you feel like you can't breathe and um, you just feel like this horrific sense of doom it's just a horrible horrible feeling well what I've learned now is this is how my body reacts with trauma. And so um, whenever I have a traumatic situation happen, it's like adrenaline kicks in for about 12 to 24 hours. And then all of a sudden it drops, that dopamine drops in my brain and I have this huge anxiety attack. And then unless you catch it, they last for hours upon hours, maybe days. And so um, I had them, obviously the first um, and sleep really plays into it too. When you have lack of sleep, your body's just tired and weak. And so after my first stroke, um, you know, I I couldn't sleep. My adrenaline was crazy, and it was also the royal wedding when Meghan and Harry got married. So here I am lying in the ICU at three AM watching the royal wedding. Oh my goodness! Well, then the <laughs> next day. And then they tell me, "I have a hole in my heart, and it's like, "Boom, here comes this anxiety attack, you know, mm-hmm. and lasted for hours upon hours, and they were trying to catch it, and they couldn't you know, and using the medication and stuff and it took about three days for it to stop and um, so here we go again, like I immediately know what is happening to my body, and I'm in the e r and I can feel it coming on, and I'm trying to breathe through it and 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 so what happens is you you just this fear comes over you and you can't explain it you can't rationalize it in your brain and um, and even after my surgery was done you know I had um, for days horrid tingling all over my right side and just I still have numbness in my face and you know it hasn't 100% come back after this last one and so you know just that fear of what if I have another one what if I have another one and um, and everybody would say no it's fixed it's fixed and it doesn't matter what anybody yeah. can say it's just this these feelings of and the only thing I know how to do and you know this is just where my faith comes in is I just have to pray and ask God to help me and I quote scripture and um, you know the Bible talks about renewing your mind but what does that really mean and um, I, I really believe it. it just you have the ability to take control of your thoughts, you have the ability to take control of your feelings and what's happening in that moment. And even when you're having an anxiety attack, because basically what's happening is the whole nervous system is shutting down. And so your body's shutting down. It's like on fire kind of thing. And breathing, you know, when you really learn to breathe through those, you're the breathing takes over and kind of controls your brain. But when you're in the midst of it, you don't want to breathe. You just want to scream and cry and, you know, all these other things. And, um, and so all I know how to do is just um, get control in, like, biblically and know that what I speak to myself is truth mm-hmm. and that what is happening in that moment of time, even though it's extremely real, it's actually not real. And it is my mind playing tricks on me and my body playing tricks on me and learning to get control of that. It's very hard. It takes a lot of strength to do that, mm-hmm. but nobody else can do that for me. And um, But yeah, it's been something really that I've had to, um, you know, it's somebody asked me this past weekend, um, I was at a conference this past weekend and one of the things they asked you to do is to write down what are your limiting beliefs? And I had to sit there for a while because I'm honestly at a place in my life where I don't have limiting beliefs right now because I've learned so much how to overcome them. I've learned how much to speak truth into my limiting beliefs. And so I sat there and I couldn't write anything down because even if I do have a limiting belief, I know how to overcome it now. And so what happens is when you go through these kind of horrific things in your life and you're like, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? On the other side, you're like, wow, I just came through this and I'm so much stronger and I know how to handle things in my life. I know how to handle my limiting beliefs. I know how to get on top of my thought process in a much quicker way than I did before. And, um, and so, which is, that is such a beautiful thing mm-hmm. uh, to be able to say that. It's a gift yeah. because I couldn't have told you five years ago that I'd know how to get on top of my limiting beliefs. And so people say, oh, Hannah, you know, you're successful because of your personality or you have the best personality. I'm like, it's got nothing to do with it. I'm successful because I've learned to overcome the things that want to stop me. I've learned to overcome my brain, myself. I've learned to speak through those things that have wanted to hold me back. I've learned to get on top of it. That's what success is. Mm-hmm. It, it's all about you. that
0: preach, girl. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it is so good that you and how you explain it is beautiful because I remember probably um, and people who listen to the podcast know, you know, my journey, but um, there, there have been times where I've also struggled with anxiety Mm -hmm. and, but there's a moment that I remember distinctly when I moved back to Canada and I moved into my parents' basement and it was like literally my worst fear ever. I remember that. No, yeah. you know, you when you think this would be the worst thing that could ever happen to me is yeah. I would have to move in with my parents into their basement, <laughs> and I did. Yeah. And it was awful, and I was really, really depressed during that time of my life. And I remember months later how I was taking a walk. It was late at night. It was very cold. But all of a sudden, I just thought to myself, I'm okay. I'm mm-hmm. actually okay. Yeah. I faced my worst fear and I'm still okay. Yeah. And I think that's important for people to know that it's not that you don't have fear. Yeah. And it's not that things won't happen to you because sometimes they do happen. Life happens. Yeah. We're not guaranteed anything. But the reality is is that we can overcome them. Yes. And, and what you're, you know, you explaining how, you know, you have learned that you have to do certain things in order to actually overcome them. I I was just talking to somebody the other day and they were talking about like, what if this and what if that, and, and I'm like, you know, and honestly, all those things actually could happen and, but you're still going to be okay. Yeah. If they do you're going to be okay, but you have to set in your mind and set in your spirit and set in your heart that you are going to be okay.
1: You're going to come through it. Absolutely. And you're probably going to come through it greater. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what people, if you allow it to, Mm
0: -hmm. if
1: you allow it to be a defining moment in your life, you will come out on the other side much better. You know, um, it's, it's really been crazy because I have this, um, huge sense of um not wanting to let each day go by without making a great accomplishment that day now because Mm -hmm. you're just not promised anything and um you know one of the the things that i saw that you know when we were talking about what we were going to talk about today you said one of what's your greatest regret and i i thought about that a lot because i really don't have any regrets because when you have regrets, you live in the past. And regrets cause you to constantly look backwards. Regrets cause you to question your decisions and question yourself. And regrets only hold you back. And, um, you know, yeah, I could probably say I regret spending too much time on some of those stupid boys, you know, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I really don't regret that because. All of the things that have ever happened in my life are who, who's made what's made me be me today, you know? Yeah. Um, and so regret only holds you back. You can't change the past. You can only change your decisions for today. And, um, and so my life, uh, my life motto is live with no regret, make every day count. Um, even when things aren't going the way you expect them to go. You can still make today count. And um, I want to live my life with no regret. I want to look back in another 10 years time and say, no regrets. This has been an incredible journey. Um, would I have changed some things? Yeah, sure. But still no regrets. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when you come through these kind of, we call them trials, you know, horrific life circumstances at times, you know, you, you say, okay, what, what can I learn from this? How can I be better because of it? How, how can I help more people? How can I help somebody get through something more quickly? Um, it's an obstacle that's just only made me stronger. And
0: so... Has it heightened your awareness, like, to other people now?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does, because um, you have no clue what people are going through inside. Nobody has any idea what's on the outside. Nobody... and. And I think, too, with social media these days, we have to have this picture-perfect life. And that's why I'm very honest on social media, you know, with, okay, this is what I've gone through, and yeah, I've struggled, and yeah, I lay in my bed in my hospital sobbing my eyes out. Yeah, this happened to me, you know, and because on social media, like, you see all these bloggers and, you know, all these people that have millions of followers, and they have all these perfect posts all the time. And, but we don't realize they took 25,000 pictures to get that yeah. one perfect picture. And, yeah. um, and we base our lives on how this person looks and how their life looks. And it doesn't look like that. And so it, it can't look like that because nobody's life is perfect. And so that's why I'm very much this is how it happened. This is what happened to me. And you know what, here I am. And I'm living my life, the best life I can live still.
0: Mm -hmm. And so
1: it does, it makes you so aware. And it's also made me aware too, that the more perfect somebody tries to make their life look, the more they're dying inside. Mm
0: -hmm. And the more they will struggle with the anxiety. Right, because right. it it grabs hold of you in the even in the small moments, not only the big ones yes. but the small ones, and and I I appreciate that you said that about social media. It's something that I feel as well, and also you know I've talked about um, we present something, often many people present something that looks really really great, and what is really happening is so very different, and. Um, you know, from the outside, like people will see a picture of you, you know, on my Instagram when I post for the courage cast for this, but you're a beautiful woman, you're fit, you've got a beautiful family, you've got a beautiful home, thriving business, you're in CrossFit. I mean, you're like, you're killing it. You are, you're killing it. But the, the automatic assumption right away, when we see someone that with those descriptors is like, Oh, perfect life. (laughs) Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah and and the reality is is that you know, you're uncovering that and yeah. saying no, it's it's not perfect. It is it is real. it's it's not yeah. bad. It's just it's real And what we yeah. go through, the things we do go through, they're real they're and it's okay. yeah, that we have pain and crisis and struggle. Yeah, it's it, you know, I don't think we should hide from it. I think no. that that it's OK and it and it doesn't make us any less valuable or of no. any less worth or any less successful. And when we can embrace that part of ourselves, that there's weakness and there's strength and here are both of them. And mm-hmm. are you still cool with me being me? And yeah. that's yeah. confidence. And that is a time where we're actually really successful.
1: It really is. And, you know, it, what the one thing it has done um, for me in this past summer is, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm in the CrossFit community and, you know, I'm a 41 year old woman who goes and works out most days. And um, every time I walk into the gym, I think I'm walking into the CrossFit games. You know, I feel like I have to do a pr on everything get my personal record on everything and and i haven't been able to do that you know the past few months because my body's been limited and um and so it's been very interesting for me because i've learned to really enjoy my body and really be grateful that it works Mm -hmm. because when it something's taken away from you you don't realize what you had and so everybody's like I can't believe that you're back in the gym already and I'm like are you kidding I get to be I get to come and do this I get to work out I'm allowed to I can move my body it's an amazing thing and um, and so it's really taught me that okay I don't have to have a six-pack you know I don't have to have these ridiculous muscles that I think I should have I have a working body now and I get to be able to lift weights and do pull-ups and climb a rope. I get to be able to do that. It doesn't have to look perfect, but I'm able to do it. And it, what it does, it just, it takes you to another realm of gratitude, of gratefulness, mm-hmm. of appreciation.
0: That's good, Hannah. I wish I could climb a rope. Well, maybe <laughs> I don't. I actually don't wish I could oh. climb a rope because I think it hurt my hands. But um, I'm grateful that I can do yoga and run. So you know what I mean, and and it and that's the thing, you know. And I love, I love when I get to have friends on the podcast because I feel like it's the real deal. It's like there's like I think it's the first time I'm ever going to swear on the podcast, but there's no bullshit. I'm actually going to have to put and like the little e on my podcast now for that. Um, <laughs> But it's real because that's me and you know if you know me I probably yeah, have I've sworn weird. I can have a potty mouth. Yeah. We all can. It's amazing as you get older too. It just happens more and more. Exactly. Like no it's problem. like this is the real thing. Like this is yeah. the real deal. We're, you know, and I and I feel like, you know, when I have people on and especially um I'm going to go and just like dive a little over like into another, uh, trail here. But, um, when, when you look at your life in comparison to someone else, or when you're trying to think about what you have versus what someone else has, the older you get, it doesn't go away. In fact, in some instances it actually increases yeah. because yeah. we are now not only comparing ourselves to people who are around us but we're comparing ourselves to the people we went to high school with the people yeah. we went to college with and that's why I love reconnecting with people and hearing their journey and, and and actually being real about this so I hope that there are tons of our college friends that listen to this episode yeah <laughs> I mean, I really do, because yeah. the reality of it is if you are struggling with yeah. where your life is in comparison to someone else, or you feel like it needs to be something, or you've struggled in any way, yeah, in any way, you can overcome. You don't have to have a life that looks like everybody else. No. You can have your own life, your own version of what that looks like Mm -hmm. with your own kind of family. And I just like, I want to just speak that to people because you may be a young person listening to this, like in your early twenties and like just starting out, but you may be like us in our early forties and thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, with everything that I,
1: yeah.
0: And, and, (laughs) you know, and holding on to what we believe, you know, are, our promises for our lives. Yeah. And the things yeah. that we feel like um, have God has spoken to us about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But we don't have to worry about what is happening with our neighbor in comparison to us. I mean, obviously worry about them in the sense of like be there for them, but yeah. we don't have to to compare. We can just be grateful. Yes. I, yeah. that, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is be grateful for what you have yeah. because what you have, someone else probably wants.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And and I think too, nobody's life goes the way, you know, we've laughed about that. I'll oh, oh. Where we, we were going to be. No, I mean, no. yeah, we were going to be famous recording artists when we were in college and oh, how our lives have changed. But I always tell people that, just because it looks different than how you imagined it, it doesn't mean that God imagined it any different.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so it's just different. Yeah. And But the question is, are you still impacting? Are you still impacting the people around you? Are you still living your life to the fullest of how you can live it? Um, are you letting time waste? I think that's just the most awful thing you can ever do. Is mm-hmm. wasted
0: You're right. I, and can I just say, um, I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful that back <laughs> so many, many, many years ago, back when we were like babies, basically that we met, that we met each other. I mean, even once Hannah got stranded at the border, we had to bail her out. Like, I mean, I've got a story for days about this girl. Um, <laughs> And and yet, like, you are doing amazing things. I'm so proud of the women you have become. Um, like, I couldn't even have imagined how amazing, not even your life, but you would turn out.
1: Wow. And I think so, that's yeah.
0: the important part is it's not really about what we do and what we achieve and the excess, success we have. I think it's really about who we become and who yeah. you are have become is amazing it is so amazing
1: it's amazing well coming from you too it really does well, because you. who you become is pretty incredible and so i love that you're impacting so many people's lives doing thank what you. you're doing i love it
0: well i'm like thank you so much for being on here you're um welcome. i mean Thanks i could talk you. to you for hours and hours about i mean we've got stories that we have not even un- uncovered but i feel like this episode and our conversation will help so many women and so so. we really um, really do i'd love for you guys to connect with hannah she is on social media are you private or are you public on instagram i'm public i'm public on instagram it's under british hannah so you can find her british hannah and she's not british slash american hannah she's british hannah (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) And I will put um, her Instagram handle in um, the show notes so that you guys can follow her and her journey and see her beautiful family and you know even hear more stories of you know what's going on in her life. And if you live in the Springfield area, connect with her. And um, she's awesome. I I think anybody who has the the honor and privilege of knowing you and being in your life is blessed. So thank you. Thank so thank you. you for being here. Well, I love you, my friend. So glad to have with you today. Well, friends, I'm not sure if I have the words after that conversation, but I am left with this one thing. No matter what you perceive people's lives to look like on the outside, it is never what you think it is. No one's life is perfect. Not mine, not Hannah's, and probably not yours either. And when we can get real with one another, amazing things can happen. We can truly connect with each other. So I hope that this episode inspires you to get real with the people in your life, to let down those defenses so that you're able to see one another. And I want to thank my dear friend Hannah for sharing her story so vulnerably and just being the light that she is. And I want to thank you for being here. You know, I love to connect with you on Instagram. So please find me at, at MissCrispy and at the dot courage cast. And don't forget to sign up for the Abundance Challenge. We're starting on Monday, November 19th. And to sign up, you can just go over to andreacrisp.ca forward slash challenge. And until next time, remember, you have everything you need to live bravely. If you like this episode of The Courage Gas, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a rating and
1: review. And while you're there, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Original music and production by Stephen Crilly.